G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Amelia Stokehill from Get'em Working Dogs. Amelia will be picking who she thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo brains. Hey Em, how are you going? Yeah, not too bad guys, yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. What do you know? Oh, not a great deal. Just enjoying this sun while it's out, I suppose. And, yeah, not looking forward to more rain, that's for sure. No, we, we don't need that, mate. And while we got here, uh, congratulations. Finally got married after, like, 20 years of trying. <laughs> yes, yes. No, finally came round and, yeah, tied the knot and it's all done and dusted now. So goes too quick. So was that delayed once or twice with COVID? Uh, once. Once with once. COVID, yeah. No. So second time lucky. That's all right. But you had a little special someone at this time, so it made it a bit more special. Yes, it did, yeah. The little ones, yeah, she was all part of it, so which made it a lovely day, I suppose. And, yeah, it just made it extra extra special. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. For the people that don't know you, Amelia, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're the awesome part of the world that you originated in and uh, what you're doing these days? Yeah, so I grew up up in Sydney, so uh, Richmond-based. Um, yeah, went to school and everything up there. Went to TAFE and um, did my Cert 3 in Diploma in Agriculture. Um, and then after that, just sort of seeked a few jobs and got a job down towards Brewerway and sort of based myself down here since. So, um, yeah, probably been down this way for probably about eight years now. Um, and yeah, currently just a livestock overseer down in Gaylong. So um, keeps me busy, that's for sure. And where was your first job out of the Hawkesbury then? Um, so up on the Kenya Road in Borowa, um, worked on, it was about 1,200 acres up there, just a family owned farm. Um, started off out there and just purely merinos. Um, and yeah, just got my foot in the door and started working and yeah, just started working the dogs and bits and pieces and, um, yeah, loved it. And, and what about now? You want to tell us a little bit about the operation you're working for now? Um, so where we are, we run Meat Plus Ewes. Uh, so we were about 8,500 of them. Um, we've got the Angus cows, there's about 550 of them, and we do them over the wag ewes. Um, and then we also do cropping as well. So it's a pretty mixed operation. Uh, full on, very, very busy. Um, and yeah, just yeah, keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. And um, when did you first get into dogs then? Um, would have been just after I left school. So after I left school, I obviously started TAFE. Um, so I bought a dog. Uh, she came from actually down that way, so Londonderry Way. A bloke moved from Dubbo and came down and he had a litter of pups. And so I went and had a look at them and yeah, picked up. Um, I still got the old girl, Tilly, so I started off with her. Um, I had her for a few years and, um, yeah, started buying another dog and another one and another one and another one. So that's where it all started. But, yeah, no, I started trialling off with Tilly first up and, um, yeah, just got a taste of it, I suppose, and just loved it ever since. And growing up in the Hawkesbury, um, obviously a bit of livestock and one around here, but where did your passion come from? Um, so dad, dad's family, um, pretty much, they were all into farming and stuff. So 
Bylong Valley and stuff. Um, we used to go down there nearly every school holidays. Um, Dad's uncle down there. He used to have cattle and sheep and bits and pieces, so we used to go down there, help him out. Um, and, yeah, just a big family background really in that sort of regard. So, yeah, just took an interest to it, I suppose, and went, yep, that's what, exactly what I want to do. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Ever thought of doing anything different? Um, looking back now, no, definitely not. Um, yeah, it was a bit daunting when I first wanted to do it, I suppose, being a female and sort of going, yeah, at the age of about 20, going, I want to move out and go way out west. And, yeah, it's sort of a bit daunting, but, yeah, looking back, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I'm glad I did it and, yeah, just sort of, I suppose, trialling got me out there in the very first place, just meeting people and talking to people. Um, it, yeah, that definitely helped out a lot starting out. And was there anyone that was a big influence in getting you sort of getting that first job? Um, yeah, there was. It was Nathan Kaith. Um, I met him at Yagara show, got talking to him and bits and pieces, um, mentioned that I was yeah, looking for work and yeah, whatnot. So, yeah, he actually heard about a job going in Burrawa. So I contacted the bloke that was managing that at the time and that's sort of how I sort of got down, down this way. Um, yeah, got me onto the place and, yeah, got my foot in the door, I suppose, and, yeah, started out. Beautiful. Trailing does come in handy sometimes, even if it is just for connections. Yeah, no, most definitely. I think it's not what you know, it's who you know these days and, um, yeah, definitely plays a big role in it. So... Do you have people like Nathan that you, you bounce ideas off as you were coming through over the last eight years? Uh, yeah, most definitely. Always opinions thrown about. Um, yeah, just sort of seeing what certain people sort of think of certain dogs or, yeah, sharing videos and stuff. Um, yeah, just, just bouncing ideas, like seeing what they think of this or that or... Um, yeah, just just in just in general conversations and yeah, it just works scenarios and bits and pieces. So. Any any big culture shock heading out when you like from a girl, you know, an hour and a half out of Sydney to heading down south? Uh yeah, it was quite lonely at first. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, living on the place by myself, I I literally lived in like a garage type setup, so it was pretty darn small. Um, so yeah, pretty much I entertained myself by going shooting every night. So I had a spotlight <laughs> set up in the buggy. I didn't really watch much TV and went out shooting every night and that was my entertainment. So, um, beat sitting at home twiddling my thumbs, I suppose. Dad would have been happy with that. Make sure keep the boys at bay. <laughs> That's it. So no, it was good and yeah, kept, kept me busy. Oh, something went wrong because one slipped through. What's that? Sorry. I said something went wrong because one slipped through. <laughs> That's <Somehow>. it. <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke, you mentioned Tilly there. Why Why did you go down the Kelpie path? Oh, I just liked them. Um, I don't know. In all honesty, I just like the black and tan. I just, yeah, I love my black and tan. That's all I've ever had. Um, yeah, the collies, I don't know, just didn't do it for me. Black and white. I don't know. bit biased there, I know, but... Yeah, just, I just like the look of the Kelpies, I suppose, and um, from what I've seen of them, just at a few trials and stuff, I just sort of clicked and went, no, I just want to try Kelpie. 
Um, and yeah, just tried them and haven't had anything since but them. So. And um, do you have a type or style that you prefer? And has that changed since Tilly or? Uh, it has a little bit, yeah. Um, when I first started out, obviously Tilly was pretty biddable. Um, I had a pinky after that and he was pretty biddable as well. I find with those ones, though, they're pretty push button and, yeah, they're quite easy in that sort of regard. But doing the work that I do these days, I like something with, I don't know, I suppose a bit more style again, a bit more of a brain, um, a bit more attitude. I like a bit of attitude in my dogs um, and a lot more presence, obviously. So, um, yeah, just the type of work I'm doing and bits and pieces. I just found that those earlier on dogs, they just quite didn't, have the heart, I suppose, of what the dogs I'm, I've got now. Um, yeah, just the the work ethic in them and stuff like that is is completely different to what I first originally started off having. So, yeah. One thing, um, obviously, we, we've been mates for a while, and one thing I admire about yourself, um, and you mentioned your first couple of dogs there, until recently when your camp started to grow, you actually never moved the dog on. No, I haven't. I still got old Tilly here and... Um, Pinky, he only retired because he did his groin um, in an injury in a race. So, and he's just retired to my sister's place. Um, yeah, they've been great dogs. And look, at the end of the day, yeah, like they did the jobs for me. And I did with them too for a long time, really. They did all my hard work. And um, don't get me wrong, they're still really good dogs and bits and pieces, just slightly different to what I'm sort of sorting these days. So, um, yeah, just, yeah, just different, I suppose. And what was, what was your, Besides them being like good, showing you loyal service, was there something else that why you stuck in with them? Like, and, and you have, like you haven't really moved a lot of dogs on until like you had a few younger ones recently. Well, look, they still they still did the job for me. So, um, yeah, like it, they, they could do a job for me every day, everything like that. Um, they did everything I needed to do, whether it was paddock or yards. They were still really reliable um yeah there was there was no need to get rid of them I, I could do any job that I wanted to do with them um I guess they just taught me a lot along the way and um yeah there was no need to move them along like they did the job and they did it well so if you had them as pups these days do you think it'd be different or they'd still stick around um they would still stick around I think just different training methods of how I would bring them up would be yeah. slightly different um, I was pretty much, when I first started out, I was pretty on to like getting control on them and bits and pieces and sort of being more controlling in a sense of their work style. These days I sort of let their natural ability come out and then I just shape it from there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just very different compared to when I started them off to now to when I start pups off. Um, yeah, it's just completely different and, yeah, in perspective of, if I did them differently, would they be different again? I don't know. But, yeah, they, they turned out to be really good dogs and, yeah, I, I can't fault them really for back then. So they got me out of a lot of trouble, that's for sure. I can vouch for you given then dogs have their heads as well, sitting in the in the cruiser with you with the aircon pumping and uh, not, <laughs> not turning on dust. So. Yeah, no, you, that's it. Do you think that real work as such coming from – you know, the Hawkesbury, like where we are not having that. Do you think that's changed the way you train and and like that, letting them letting their natural ability come out before shaping them? Do you think that's made any difference or not really? 
I think it has, yeah. For me and my dogs, um, other people might think differently, but I think definitely um, they mature into different types of dogs, I think. Um, yeah, they got, I don't know, they think for themselves, I find, a bit more. Um, yeah, just different scenarios. They read scenarios more differently. They sort of handle it a little bit more differently, I find. Um, they're more, yeah, they're more capable of taking scenarios on by themselves without you without you actually having to tell them to either walk in or something like that. They read it differently. Um, yep. Yeah, I just personally, I find, yeah, having that work experience for them and stuff like that definitely changes them and sort of for the better in my eyes. Uh, yeah. Oh, she dropped off a little stuff and bits and pieces. Starting out, there's, yeah, they didn't, but yeah, just, just different, just very different, I suppose. Do you think it matures them up a little bit quicker? I think so, yeah. It sort of um, gets that puppiness out of them, I suppose. A couple of hard days working sort of gets a brain a bit. They get a brain to them. Um, they read scenarios better. And yeah, I just find that you just, yeah, you lose that puppiness a lot quicker than what you do if you just had a dog that was just training at home on a few sheep and bits and pieces. Um, yeah, they lose that bit of stupidness, to be honest. They just they, they mature a lot quickly and grow up a lot quicker. Yeah, nothing like a hard day's work to uh, bring you back to reality. <laughs> That's it. You want to tell us a little bit about your current team then? Um, yeah, so I sold off most of my young ones, to be honest, um, because I'm on maternity leave at the minute. So... I've just kept the four main dogs in my team. Um, so I've got um, I've got Roy, Nala, Grace, and Artie. Um, so they're the ones that are currently still here at the minute. Um, yeah, they're my main team. So they're the ones that are sort of pulling me through with the hard yards, and um, yeah, just sold off all the younger ones too, simply because they're just sitting on chains here, and someone else might as well enjoy them until I get back to work and. Get a few few more going again. So sitting on chains there's still a pretty little flash setup you got. So that's not the worst yeah. life for a dog. Well, even sitting on chains, I would say relaxing in the sun more like it because they get let off every day and they're they're a bit of a house dog at the minute. But anyway, it's a bit of a bit of a spell for them. They all still living in under in those wine barrels under the cover there. Yeah, no, <laughs> they all love it underneath there and nice sawdust and all lying every day, so they love it. It's so, a flat setup. Roy'd be loving life. Yeah, no, they're just yeah, bellies up in the air. They love it, so can't <laughs> complain. Um, there's a question here from Rick Freeman. He's asking, "What bloodlines of Kelpies do you prefer, and what is it about them that are you that you're looking for?" Um, so I, I found the old Buster line sort of worked for me quite well. Um, yeah, they're quite a strong type line. Just I, I like their presence that they show, their work ethic, um, and just they're all around us pretty much. Like they're good outside. I really chase the outside work. Um, the inside, they obviously still got to work the inside. They got to work it really well. Um, but, yeah, I just really chase that outside work and I find they work well for me. Um, and then coming inside, they still got that punch and stuff. So, yeah, I sort of try and follow that line a little bit. Um, I just find that was a really good solid old line and, there's a lot of dogs that are coming through that are yeah just producing really well. So yeah, just trying to stick to that. Talking about a bit of outside there and, and a bit of inside stuff, so yards. What what's a pretty standard day look like 
for you and your team? Um, so we can float from, oh, geez, going from one paddock to the next. Majority of my work is paddock work, uh, whether it's hill country or crossing creeks or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I'm floating about here, there and everywhere. Whether it's moving cattle at the same time, I float a couple of dogs behind some mobs and then chuck a couple in another paddock and um, up laneways and stuff. I dump dogs behind sheep in laneways and go move something else ahead. And yeah, just... It's it's just full on, especially from oh, September onwards. It's, we're just cranking it with yeah, stock work day in day out. So um, yeah, the dogs the dogs definitely get their full days and yeah, earn their bickies every night. So yeah, it just gets crazy. What would the workload look like without dogs? Oh, uh, I'll change jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no stuff that, no. I, I definitely, dogs just make my life easier. Um, you just get so much more done, I think. Um, yeah, when you're on the motorbike and stuff and you look at some of the hills, I go up and I go, oh, hell, no, stuff that, I'll send the dog. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be riding those hills. Yeah, no, I'll come too much of a gutser down that. So, yeah, no, it definitely makes it a lot easier and, yeah, there's no way I'll, I'll do my job without dogs. It just, yeah, it just takes too long and, yeah, dogs just make it so much easier. Well, yeah, handy ones anyway. <laughs> so. Um, so are you chasing a dog, like a team of similar dogs, or do you like a bit of variety throughout? Um, no, I like my dogs all very similar. Um, but obviously some will have a bit more strength in other areas than what other ones do. Um, just simply because if one injured or anything like that, I like all my dogs to be very similar. So in a sense, they, mm -hmm. they need to be able to do everything in a sense of paddock, um, yard work, sheep, cattle, whatever. Um, yeah, they all will be very similar. Just obviously some have got different strengths in different areas. So, um, yeah, I don't chase a pure yard dog. I don't chase a pure paddock dog. They've got to be able to do everything. Um, yeah. It's just what suits my operation. Yeah, I... Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't justify just having one dog just to do one thing. So I like them very similar. Oh, very cool. And you mentioned there you've moved a few young dogs on that you bred yourself. What What are you looking for in your own line? Um, I like a lot of presence. I like something that doesn't have to do much, and sheep or cattle just flow off them really easily. Um, I like them to be able to read scenarios for themselves and not create create trouble or anything like that um yeah i like to see dogs that are, that are willingness to, to have a bit of strength there come forward and, and move things if things need moving um I, I definitely like the strength there but yeah just not causing trouble obviously but um yeah just chasing that yeah just that just that strength really is is a is a big one just working these big comps that use i, I can't afford to have something that's just going to sit there and bark at something um, yeah, it's got to have plenty of eye, plenty of plenty of presence about itself. But yeah, that they just move off it. So those composite ewes aren't the easiest uh, sheep to move around. I was going to use another word, but I thought I'd go with sheep. Yeah, no, they're um, very different, and yeah, very pig-headed things. Uh, yeah, they're just just pigs of things, really. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, they're, they're different, but, yeah, that sort of opens up your eyes for, yeah, different qualities that you're sort of after in dogs. Um, obviously, I'm not after those pig-headed dogs that just want to, 
yeah, get them moving and stuff. But well, I want those dogs there that do have a strength behind them that, that if you do need that extra gear, that it is there. So, um, yeah, you definitely need it. Cool. Rick's asked, are there any specific faults in a working dog that you're prepared to tolerate uh, if everything else is pretty good in them? Um, just depends, I suppose. It depends on... Um, uh, it'd be... In my scenario, I'd, I'd, I would lack, well, not lack, but like I would I would tolerate probably something that's probably not quite as yardy. Um, yeah, as long as it sort of, yeah, gets around and bits and pieces and can still move sheep in the yard, I'd be happy with that. Um, I could tolerate it, but, yeah, it'd still have to work the yard or something. I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah it, you'd have to, yeah, it, it'd have to get into a yard to, to do something. But, yeah, I could tolerate something that's just not quite as yardy. So, but off the back of that, is what's something that you absolutely will not tolerate? Um, I won't tolerate anything that just sort of sits in the back of the yards and just barks all day. I can't deal with dogs like that. <laughs> that just drives me nuts. Um, yeah, that's just wasting energy and everything like that. You see some dogs, they just sit in the back and all they do is bark, they can't sit still. And yeah, no, I can't tolerate that. I just, it drives me nuts. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just those mad type ones. No, 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 thanks. Not for my, not for my operation. Do you like bark at all in a dog? I do. I do. I think it's very helpful, very useful. Um, but they got to learn when to shut up and and yeah. be quiet and not just go off their heads and just constantly just bark, 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 bark. Um, they got to use their brains a little bit and know when to use it and when not to use it. It's a very useful tool, but it can also be a very much a hindrance and. I think when dogs are barking all the time, the sheep get very much used to it and it sort of it, it becomes a tool that comes useless at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's probably one of my biggest hates in a lot of dogs is just them just sitting in the backyards and barking. Mm -hmm. What about um, when you work the, the Angus there? Any bark? Do you find that bark effective? On cattle? No, I, I, I don't like bark on cattle. I think it stirs them up too much. Um, I like them nice and quiet and just try and use their presence to just move them along. Um, yeah, it just, it just stirs everything up. You start, once the bark comes out, just everything stirs up. You know, the whole mob gets stirry and everything like that. So just the quieter, the better. Um, and, yeah, just everything just flows a lot more smoother. So. And um, the dogs you've had, is there one that's been most influential for yourself? And why is that? Um, I'd say Roy is actually, to be honest, um, he was the third dog I ever got. Um, and he taught me a lot. So just, yeah, just completely. He was the first dog that was completely different to the other two I bought, Tilly and Pinky. Um, yeah, he was quite strong minded, definitely had his own brain to himself as a young dog and drove me nuts and wanted to pull hair out and bits and pieces. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely taught me a different way of training sort of showed me what a good dog can do and what their capabilities are and have a bit of trust and faith in your dog. Um, yeah, it just sort of opened a complete different avenue for me in the sense of work style, everything. So, And he's entered in the Working Dog Challenge size shootout, I believe? Yeah, I entered him into that. So we'll see how we go. It's the end of November. So, um, 
yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been to a trial since um, Delungra, so that's going to be a bit interesting. Probably have a bit of a head on him. Um, so yeah, but yeah, we'll see how he goes. Anyway, bit unfit the poor old bugger, but um, yeah, no, I'm sure he'll give it 110. percent So how old is he now? Oh, geez, I think he's going seven or oh, he's seven or eight, between seven and eight now. I think I think he was born too. That was it. 2016 was born somewhere around there, maybe seven, something like that. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. I'm to get a few young ones to chase him up, following him up. Yeah, no, yeah, trying to get a few more going mm. now. So, um, yeah, Nala's what she's now. She's three, and yeah, Artie's just turned two. So, yeah, got a few behind him. They're both out of him. So, um, yeah, going to chase your, a few more. Are most of your young dogs by Roy? Uh, yeah, most of them by Roy. I find he's, yeah, he's chucking really what I'm after. So at the moment, I'm just sticking to him. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with he's, yeah, I can't complain. And, yeah, just better, yeah, another bitch is about to have a litter of pups any day. I'm waiting for it. So, yeah, it's a repeat mating. So I'll keep another one out of that and, yeah, see what happens. Beautiful. So you're mentioning that um, a lot of your dogs are, are bred similar um, and at different ages there. Are you finding them very, and you're like a similar dog, are you finding them fairly consistent through those all those similar lines that you're using? Uh, yeah, pretty consistent, which is what I'm after. I, yeah, I, I like that consistency. I think if you bring consistency, you'll get a whole litter with consistency, which is what I like. Um, and, yeah, they are all very similar, but obviously different strengths in different areas. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, very different. Like, Nala's probably got a little bit more push in the yards and, um, has a lot of eye and presence outside and yeah, little Artie, he's got yeah, some really nice outside work and yeah, he's just coming into the yards now and really getting some push, like push through the yards and um, that's sort of what I'm chasing. I'm sort of chasing that really nice outside stuff where they can just really calm down and, and use their brains and then they come inside and if you kick that gear up, I want that gear, so which is what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm happy with yeah, what he's producing and what's coming along in my young dogs. Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, pretty, pretty stoked. So yeah, they suit me for what I do. So I'm happy. And, and the other reason I asked that is, is that Artie that you mentioned there, you're seeing traits in him that you had with an uncle before in Spud. Is that the same fella there? Yeah, so that's the same fella. So um, his mother is Spud's full sister. Yep. Um, and yeah, I see very similar allergies coming out and all that line because they're all related some way, shape, or form. Um, and yeah, I do see a lot of similarities coming through. Yeah, all the dogs you see little bits and pieces that might come out attitude, just this work style, how they present themselves. Um, yeah, everything's coming out, and yeah, you, you can really marry up dogs. And you and yeah, seeing those other dogs that you've had, you can go, Oh, geez, yeah, like you can see that coming out in there, and yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's something that I like to see as well, and knowing that those traits are coming through, it's 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 good. Uh, awesome. Uh, there's a question here from Rick. What kind of cast do you like to see, or does it depend on what you are doing? Um, it sort of depends, I suppose, in one sense. Um, Hill stuff, I like them to kick right out. Um, I like, yeah, they, they, they're looking a lot of time. They can't see anything because they're amongst the rocks and 
um, there'd be a scrubby stuff or whatever and they can't see. So I, I do like a dog to kick out. Out in the paddock, I don't, I don't want them too close really. Um, but then saying that though these composite ewes are very different to work than what merinos are, that you sort of got to have a dog that comes in a lot more than um, if you're working merinos. Yeah, like they they got to be – you can have a dog working right off them and they'll just move whether these composites, yeah, you've got to have them sort of coming in a little lot more. So sometimes in a composite, so I, yeah, I don't require a massive out, outcast or anything like that. It doesn't seem to upset them as much as what you would do with Merino. So, um, yeah, just different scenarios, I suppose, different casts and, yeah, just sort of depends on what – where I'm working or type of country. Um, yeah, I think if you if they're going too big, they're just wasting energy. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's good to be able to bring them in. So, yeah, I generally got a bit of a command that, yeah, if you if they if you want to go further, you tell them to go look and they go out even further or, yeah, you base your cast and just a nice normal general cast. And is that natural? Like, do you want that natural or is that something you think you can teach? No, I, I like it natural. Um, yeah. I don't want to be able to teach that. I just want them to be able to naturally do it. Um, yeah, I don't want to be having dogs that are going in a straight line to stock. It's Yeah, it's not what I'm after. I like that nice arc out. That arc and um, feel for their stock, I, I generally find with that arc, they get that nice feel and they learn their distance and what works for them. So, um, yeah, it just sort of gets that. Yeah, it, it, just, it just works for me and, yeah, I, yeah, I like a nice arc. and uh, But obviously just not too wide because I find that they're just losing contact with their stock and just wasting energy. So, yeah, yeah they've got to get that happy medium. Actually, based on that and, and the arc you mentioned and, and the way you get out and losing contact, is another question here. How much eye do you like to see in your dogs? Because obviously that's going to have a bit of an impact on that cast there as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't like a heap of eye where it comes sticky, where sheep start turning around and um, sort of looking at a dog and a dog sort of just eyes down one sheep. I don't like that. Um, but I do like a bit of eye where they don't take the eye off the job. They're constantly looking at the whole mob. Um, yeah, I, yeah. those real sticky-eyed dogs I don't take to because they generally always want to pick on one sheep or something like that. I don't like them. I just like something that's just got a nice eye that looks amongst the whole mob and um yeah assesses things accordingly and can just move things nicely so yeah cool um we'll get back on to some of our questions now um you we mentioned earlier you said that um you know you went from something that you like to have a bit of control over to natural like how important is trainability or bitability to yourself and how has that changed Obviously, I'm pretty sure that it has changed. Yeah, no, look, at the end of the day, they still got to work with you. Um, but I just find those ones that are just a bit more on the stubborn side, I suppose. Um, just They just want to work. I just, yeah, they just got a different attitude, I suppose. Um, and I find that work ethic comes into that. The ones that are real biddable and just happy to do exactly what you say, I find their work ethic isn't as high as those ones that, um they're probably a little bit more ignorant sort of thing they just they just want to work those more ignorant type fellas and um yeah they're just mad about their jobs so yeah i guess um yeah just just trainability obviously it's still got to be there they still want to be able to work with you and i want to be able to work with them but um i do i don't mind those bit more stubborn dogs that sort of um yeah just just want to just do their job yeah 
And um, you've had some great success, um, success, sorry. You got it, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> with um, auctions recently um, with Spud. Where do you see the the value of working dogs moving going forward? Oh, look, I think it's good that they've finally gone up in price. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of something that sort of need to be, yeah, for a long time people – yeah, didn't ever see the value in working dogs whether now they're sort of starting to see the value, which is good. Um, yeah, just yeah, a, a good dog is worth its weight in gold. Like, yeah, you can chuck five men in a, in a just a yard or something, move sheep along, they still don't do it as good as a dog. So it's, it's about time they sort of start getting value. Um, I just hope that in one sense the prices just don't go too stupid where people are paying silly money for dogs that, yeah, just aren't quite worth that. Um, I'm hoping that that sort of, yeah, that sort of comes underneath the bill a little bit and, yeah, people sort of just don't go silly with prices. But, um, yeah, they're definitely, it's good to see the prices going up and, yeah, people seeing the actual value in dogs. Yeah. And how are you, how would you value a dog? Myself, if, like my own. Say you were somebody coming in to the industry or a farmer wanting a dog. Um, yep. How would you look at at valuing a dog for yourself? Um, look, I yeah yeah like yeah most definitely. If I was starting out or something, and I wanted something start and whatnot, yeah, most definitely, yeah, you you definitely look at something. Um, yeah, they they're they're very valuable. Like you gotta you gotta look at the operation you're running, obviously, and um, yeah, sort of pick that type of dog that's gonna suit you really. Yeah. Um, what about setting a budget? Setting a budget? I think it depends on what you can afford at the end of the day. It's like anything. Um, yeah, like if you, can afford, if you can afford to fork out just that little bit more money, yeah, like do try because obviously the dogs are, are there that you're going to pay a little bit more for are a bit better quality. Um, but yeah, it's it's just, yeah, you've got you to be realistic in your prices though too at the end of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. And mentioning there that you did do fairly well with Spud, I know that wasn't an easy decision for you to put a dog in an auction and there was a lot of yes, I will, and no, I won't, and sleepless nights. Do you want to talk us about that and why? I, I actually think that's pretty important. Oh, like, look, he, he was, yeah, he was like a very, very big decision. Um, he was the main dog in my team. Um, I made the decision because me and Hamish talked about having a family um, and I had to sort of make decision of letting a dog go um, just to sort of help us out financially and, yeah, just simply just let one go just in the sense of a dog's not sitting here just going to waste and someone else can enjoy him. Um, yeah, I sort of made a decision in him in the sense of, um, yeah, I sort of just kept my main breeding line really. I never really used him. I had his sister, so I used her for breeding. Um, so that was the main reason why sort of he went. Um, but yeah, it was a hard decision and it's sort of something that you you don't like to do lightly, but um, what made yeah, it difficult? Um, just because I've had him since I had him since he was eight weeks old. Um, yeah, you just he done so much for me. He was a type of dog that you just take him anywhere, like all day, and he'll just keep going for you, the amount of work that he did for you. Um, that that's sort of what hit me the hardest. And yeah, after I sold him, put him in someone else's dog box that yeah, that hit me real hard because that's not something that yeah. I like doing. I don't like giving my dogs just away to people and 
um, selling them on very often. And that was probably the hardest thing. But yeah, at the end of the day, life changes, unfortunately, and you've got to make those hard decisions and you can't hang on to everything. And I think if someone else can enjoy him as much as what I enjoyed him and uh, make someone else's life easier and yeah, yeah, it's sort of an opportunity that I sort of took and um, yeah, and I, don't know, I know he's gone to a good home. So yeah, hopefully he's serving them proud. Mate, I think just the, the, the effort that you actually have to go through to convince yourself to move him on and the fact that you um, thought about it several times just shows a lot between the relationship you actually had with the dog and just how hard of a decision it was and hats off that you actually thought about it like that. I'm sure there's people out there that don't even have a second thought as well. So, Oh, look, he was my, my little mate at the end of the day. Like, yeah, he'd done some hard yards for me and... Um, yeah, he's one of my main dogs and it was a big decision, but yeah, I, yeah, you have to do something at the end of the day and you can't keep them all. There's, it's, it's cruel for them to, to be sitting here and not doing anything. And yeah, someone else may as well enjoy him. So he had plenty of life still left in him. He was only three. So, um, he just hit his prime and yeah, he's, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a hard one, but yeah, it was, yeah, something had to give and yeah, unfortunately it was him. So and on the back of that, what age do you go about starting pups? Um, look, I'll let them have a bit of a look at your young age, like 12 weeks old. I'll let them have on and let them have a bit of a run around and let them have a bit of a look. And um, But look, in all honesty, I won't really start them. I won't really start letting them balance right up until probably about six months old. Um, and then, yeah, generally, yeah, at eight months, I start taking, well, they come to work with me ever since they're like eight weeks old. Um, whether they sit in the front seat, the lucky little buggers, they think that's pretty good. And once they get a bit too old and too mischievous, then they get kicked out to the dog box at the back. Um, but yeah, generally eight months old, I start chucking them in little jobs or in laneways and stuff, just chucking them behind or have them on a lead and just beside the buggy or something. Um, yeah, just sort of let them start having a look and bits and pieces. So yeah, I generally. When I'm at work, I last thing you feel like doing after hard days work is doing some training. So I I did a lot of it on the job, and yeah, it sort of opens up your eyes a lot more because um, yeah, like it's just it's completely different. But yeah, taking them at that eight weeks old onwards, it's sort of um, yeah, you you develop a different relationship with them. So yeah. yeah, you sort of yeah, all you've got really is a callback and a sit, and that's about it. So and then everything just develops from there. So do you put any milestones on your pups that you want them to reach by a certain age? No, I don't put any milestones. Every dog's different. Um, yeah, some some are a little bit slower than others or something like that. But, yeah, no, I don't have a milestone. Um, yeah, generally, generally by 12 months, though, I, I really – they've got to be at work and they've got to be doing jobs. Um, and, look, I can tell by six months if I – don't like them or not but most cases I only pick pups that I really like I don't like just be given pups so I'd, I like to pick my pups because personality reasons and I yeah I, I really like just picking the ones I like so I generally yeah. find that helps me a lot and um yeah go from there yeah beautiful and there's a question here from Rick uh what are the first three things you teach a dog in order when training off stock and on stock 
Um, geez, I, I, the very first one I teach them how to just pretty much sit, um, just be patient, I suppose, just sitting and in the backyard. That's that. That would be the very first one I, I sort of teach. Um, and then I teach on lead. So I teach them how to lead and stuff as pups. I get them going on the lead pretty well. And yes, it comes all amongst that. Um, and then I generally teach them to have their attention all on me. That's, that's, that'd be the next one. They're the three most important things as a young dog for me. Um, their attention's got to be on me 24 seven, not on the other dogs or anything else, just, just on me and want to be with me. So they're my three main things as young dogs that I really try and drill into them at a young age. How do you encourage the last of them? What the keeping their, your attention on yourself, not the other dogs? Oh, look, just constantly, just, oh, just, yeah, just do certain things to them as a as a young dog, and I just have them on the leads, and um, as soon as their attention flicks off, I just flick it back towards me, and I generally find that they just want to be with you, and they always look up to you, and um, I look, I drag my pups everywhere, so anything, anything I do, yeah, they they're with me every step of the way, and um yeah just getting just getting their attentions whether it's either clap your hands or whatever or yeah just sort of get their attention some way shape or form just yeah just always dragging that tension back towards you so yeah they're always looking at you for what's moving forward or anything like that that's beautiful and you mentioned before there that most of your training's done on the job and obviously we know that you're on some pretty wild unforgiving sheep i might put, <laughs> put it like that so how important is identifying natural strength in a pup and how do you go about building it? Um, so I try not to put them into – so as a, as a pup, I sort of pick those dogs that aren't bullies, but I pick those ones that show strength and bits and pieces. They're not afraid to come forward in a situation. Um, you see that when they're just generally just playing as pups. You don't see that like – you don't pick the pups that just sort of sit in the corner or something. You get those more boldy ones that are sort of – wander off and want to go investigate a few things. I find they're the more boldy type fellas. Um, but generally starting them off, yeah, you've got to be really careful working these composites because you can really take the confidence down on the young dogs. So a lot of my young dogs, I'll try and get them out into the paddock first. Um, they generally won't come into the yards until probably 10 to 12 months. And if they are in the yards, um, they're definitely not in the tight stuff because those use they just always looking for a fight. So I generally try and get them into the biggest sections of the yards and let them have a bit of a run around. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't try and chuck them in those tight force pens because they just, yeah, they like working rams and they're just pigs of things. So, um, yeah, you, you just ruin their confidence pretty quick after one good hit. So, um, yeah, let them mature a little bit and that, that generally all falls into place and their strengths all come through and, yeah, you don't generally have a problem then. And, um. You do a bit of yard work as well. Do you prefer your dog to back like in the race or alongside the race? No, I like them in the race. Um, yeah, it just, I find with those ewes, they just don't care. You can bark all you want on the outside and it just doesn't move them. They've got to get in and amongst it, unfortunately for them, which, yeah, like it's a bit of hard yards, I dare say, for them, knowing how, how hard those sheep hit because I know, yeah, getting in there in the drench race with them or something, yeah, they're not fun. So, but, yeah, I find it's more effective moving those ewes, getting in the race with them than what it is on the outside. They just don't quite compact as well. So I like them to get in and get down um, and come back through them underneath. Yeah. Hence, you like the bold 
type of pup, right? Because you need something with a bit of confidence. Yeah. And courage. Yeah. No, they've got to have plenty about them. And, yeah, it can't be that sookie type dog. They've got to definitely have that, yeah, bit of balls, I suppose, about them. And, yeah, come back firing even harder, really. Uh, very cool. How do you go about starting to put sides on your dog, on your young dogs? Um, so actually, I I do have a few ducks here and stuff, and I find them quite good. Um, so when they sort of hit that about that eight, ten month old, and they've had a few jobs and stuff at work, um, they start getting the idea of it. I'll I'll start putting them on the ducks, and yeah, just putting a command on it. Really, um, yeah, it's a good scenario because yeah, like you can really place yourself around the ducks, and yeah, really teach a dog a side. <laughs> I find they pick it up really quickly on the ducks, um, whether on a mob of sheep. Yeah, you sort of, they might try and cover a little bit more. You might have a few sheep trying to break, whether the ducks are pretty solid. You can really teach them, yeah, their sides really easily and really well. So they work well for me. Um, and then, yeah, they're just, it just keeps building it more and more experience and they sort of just get the hang of it and stuff. But look, I don't, I don't sit there for hours and, and make them go one way than the other. I just do five minutes with them and they pick it up really quickly and, yeah, just keep building it through work. Yeah. And um, Amanda Dunbar's actually asked, who's been the most influential person that's taught you the most um, with your dogs training-wise? Um, I haven't really had an influential person. I've just looked at a lot of people, how they trial and bits and pieces. I've take, taken things and tried them at home. I've seen how other people do it and bits and pieces. Um, a lot of it's through my mistakes big time. I've made a lot of mistakes and that's how I learn. I just learn differently. And, yeah, I just mainly I just watch a variety of people because I think a variety of ideas is what makes one good idea um, or different ideas just work in different scenarios so and different type of dogs. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoy watching all the older handlers. I think they're all very good and, um yeah, they've got a lot of good ways about doing things and I just, yeah, I watch how they do certain things and I try it or whatever and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, yeah, I don't, I don't base myself on one inferential person, no. It's just, um, yeah, I take just a variety. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I um, know you've had a lot to do with horses. How do you find the training of horses to dogs? Stomach question. Did I? No, I thought about that one, but I didn't ask that one. I look very similar, very, very similar. Like I like a lot of pressure release and that's what I grew up with the horses and stuff. And, um, yeah, a lot of that same principle applied with dogs and I found that pretty quickly after having a couple of dogs. I sort of went, oh, it's very similar to the horses and, I eventually realised for myself that, yeah, just got to apply the same principles to the horse, what you've got to do with the dogs, and it just worked. It clicked for me and, yeah, just kept on building from there. So, yeah, if you can train a horse, you can train a dog. So they're very similar, very, very similar. Do you, do you think without any of that experience growing up, you are where you are today or you're even out on property working dogs? Or do you think that that was a massive part of to get you where you are today? Well, I think the horses were a massive part. They showed me a lot. Um, yeah, if I didn't probably do the horses, I probably would have had a whole different approach to dogs. Um, yeah, that, the horses really, the, they're something that, yeah, they teach you a whole different avenue, just the way they react and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's just just very different. But, 
yeah, I just, um, yeah, I wouldn't change anything. I'm glad I did the horses and I'm glad I had the opportunity to do the horses because, yeah, they really opened up a whole different avenue with the dogs. So, I think it's pretty cool. I used to watch you at Pony Club, obviously, back in the day. <laughs> and now, you know, I look at you now and I just go, wow, like it's pretty cool to, you know, know someone so many years ago when I used to look up to you big time and I still do now with dogs. Being so girly. Like, she's, she's being <laughs> girly. <laughs> no, but it's, it's true. Like it's, yeah, you watch it. Yeah, I don't know. I sound like an idiot. But... No, 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 it's cool. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. And actually, that was um, the question I was actually going to ask, but I did like what you yeah. done. I was going to ask that as well. But what was, have you um, any advice that you got from someone coming through another stock handle or a trial or something that you really took on board? Like, was there best advice that you've ever got from someone? Just patience. Um, yeah, just having that patience with them and just sort of work with them and stuff. Um, yeah, you just got to you got to see how each dog matures and, yeah, they're all different and, yeah, everyone expects the dog to be doing this by six months or this by 12 months. And, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing as i got is that every dog's different. Like every human, everyone learns different ways and different times and stuff. Um, so, yeah, definitely just, yeah, just patience within the dogs. You just, you can't rush things and, yeah, you just, you just got to take every, every dog differently. They've all got different personalities, different attitudes and, um, you can't just apply the same attitude, same principle for every single dog. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just there on your patience, like how much do you, um, to what degree do you just trust the breeding of a pup compared to what's actually doing? Oh, look, breeding comes into it, comes into it a lot. Um, I think it has a big influence. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of... Yeah, it's at the end of the day, I don't pick anything purely on its breeding. I, I like still to see their attitude and how they present themselves, um, personalities, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, de it definitely helps. It It's like anything, you, even the stuff that I'm breeding, you see attributes coming out. Um, but, yeah, you might get something that's a little bit softer or something like that. But, yeah, obviously it just you got to pick something that suits you because, I know the softer dogs don't suit me. The ones that are a bit softer in the heart, they just don't quite suit me. I'm probably a bit tough, but I'm a bit of a taskmaster, as Hamish would say. But, um, yeah, it's sort of, yeah, you just got to, yeah, work with it. Yeah. Oh, I could take that so much further. Um, <laughs> but how, how is Hamish? He's making a cup of tea in the background there. He's looking after you, keeping your feet warm. Yeah, no, I got him making dinner after he got home from work and stacked the dishwasher on, stacked it, did the washing. Yeah, he's a, he's a good boy like that. <laughs> Trained him well. <laughs> That's it, exactly. <laughs> um, good. He's a good bloke. I love him. He, uh, he puts up with all the rubbish we give him, so he's a good bloke. <laughs> so we were talking about the ducks before. Um, Rick's just sent through a question. He's asked, uh, he said, I'm really interested in your comments about teaching sides using ducks as I'm about to do that with a good dog and wonder if you have any do's and don'ts re-putting the sides on. What's your setup like with the ducks? I've got no setup, so I just put them out in the paddock. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just work it as I see it. So things that I think that, yeah, the dog needs to do, like if it's not if it's lacking arc on one side or something like that, because um, obviously the dog always favourites one side, 
um, yeah, you can really work on things like that. Um, and yeah, just just do it as you see it. Like if you, if something's not quite right, fix it. Don't let things just keep happening and faults keep on turning over because those faults just keep on turning to habits and habits keep turning to yeah, just more bigger problems. So um, yeah, the, I find the ducks a good way to fix a lot of things. That sort of it does make them very correct and um, yeah, brings that that nice footwork into them. I find it brings a lot of nice footwork and teaches dogs to um, pretty much just, yeah, just take their time. You don't get those rushy type dogs. It really slows them down and lets them use their brain. So, but yeah, just generally just teaching size and stuff. It just makes it so much easier. You can just position yourself. You can teach them to arc a lot better if they're just lacking and yeah, you can kick them out harder or wider or whatever you want to do. You can bring them in out. Yeah. You can just really just shape them. I just find them just a lot easier for doing stuff like that. Yeah, and I suppose doing it in a paddock doesn't confine anything either, right? No, and that's it. And you don't have yeah, doing them out in the paddock like you can get them out nice and wide. You haven't got if you do them on sheep or something like that, they generally always want to bugger off on you or they're too dog to even move. And um, yeah, I just find the ducks are just easy. It's just you know, I got them in, sitting in my backyard. It takes you two seconds of an afternoon to go out there and do two. You know, all you have to do is two minutes with them some days, and yeah, literally those two minutes just go a long way so do you find ducks get dogged down like sheep do oh they're just different i suppose i wouldn't call sale anything like that that they get dogged down um yeah like they always try and look to run back to their bloody coop so use that to your advantage a little bit um but yeah like they're i don't know i find them good like yeah they can settle so it teaches a dog to settle a fair bit um yeah it it, it teaches them patience it yeah, it's sort of just like, and you can always keep the ducks moving. Like you can keep moving and they'll just keep moving. Whether you find dog down sheep, the dog really has to come in and get them moving where the ducks, they'll just keep flowing. They don't really dog down. They just keep flowing and you can fasten up the speed if you wish, or you can slow it right down. It's yeah, it's completely up to you how you, how you work your scenario. And how many would you have in that sort of group of ducks? I don't know what a group um, of ducks <laughs> I just have, I just have three. Three's more than enough, I find. I used to have about six, and yeah, that's good too. But I just find three's a, a real comfortable number for me. Um, yeah, just not too many. Just I, I'm literally just using it for sides, getting good stock or whatever, or yep. just fine tuning that stuff or getting that nice arc that I that I like to have. Um, if a dog's lacking on one side just a little bit, so yeah, just. Yeah, just doing that sort of stuff really and just, yeah, teaching the dog just to, yeah, get on that 12 o'clock and bring him in or, yeah, just going to kick out, back out nicely on that arc. It just, yeah, just depends on what you want to do. But, yeah, if I find three is a good number, so it works for me. If yeah. it turns to shit, you have some dinner and fill a pillowcase at the same time. Oh, I've, I've lost plenty of foxes, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been, uh, I always want to put my dogs on ducks, but I've always been worried that um, there won't be ducks left. So I've been invited uh, to a little duck trials like, oh, yeah, probably not that brave. I don't want to hurt your ducks. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've had a few young dogs that tried taking off a few necks and stuff. And, yeah, especially when they start flapping, they get even more excited and that's a bit interesting. But, um, yeah, needless to say that, yeah, I haven't killed one yet. So, yeah, they're, still, alive and, yeah, they're still going. Apart from the foxes, <laughs> they like to get them. Do you find the ducks, like with the younger dogs that do want to, have a bit of a go at one. Do you find they then handle like um, using lambs better? 
Um, no, I haven't really found that really. Like the ones that would sort of go at the ducks, they, I don't know, they suppose they're just sort of looking for a bit of trouble and just causing yep. a bit of grief amongst themselves, have a bit of fun and play. Um, yeah, no, I haven't found that really. Yeah, no, they all seem to, I don't know, it, it teaches them to settle really and just sort of, yeah, take yeah. their patience with the ewes and lambs because, yeah, obviously you don't want to be pushing them too hard. So you sort of, yeah. they sort of take their time and, yeah, they sort of learn just to respect things a little bit more, I suppose. Yeah. While we're talking about uh, young dogs there, or young pups and, and working, um, you mentioned you got a litter of pups on the ground there. Um, what's uh, what's the clincher for breeding? Almost. Almost, yeah, almost. Why, why have you bred a, a litter of pups? What fascinates you about breeding? Uh, just, I just like it. I just, I like to see what the product is that I'm sort of um, putting together, I suppose. Like, yeah, yeah, there's a bit of, I don't know, thought behind each one and um, it's a bit of a process in the sense of, like, it's not just what they're producing on the ground at eight weeks old, it's what they're producing when the dogs are right through their whole working life. And, yeah, I like to see genetics and play with genetics and different traits and, um yeah, I like to just have, I suppose, try and have a crack at something that's going to work for me. And, um, yeah, if I can make it work and they suit me what I'm doing, then I'm happy. So, yeah, I just I just like that whole scenario of trying to make something work and work well. Yeah, and what are you looking for before doing a joining? Um, I like to have very similar type joining, so like the dog with a bitch, quite similar. Um, I don't like to have something that's completely out of the blue over something. Um, I like to have a pretty tight-knit sort of joining. Um, that way then hopefully the pups are pretty tight-knit as well. Um, I think that's one way of getting consistency through your line. Um, yeah, obviously something might have a, might be lacking just a little bit of strength or something like that or, I don't know, not as sticky or wide or whatever. Um, yeah, there's nothing to say that, yeah, that you you don't try and pair up that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't go out of blue of just joining a paddock dog with a yard-type dog. They've got to be yeah. somewhat similar. And we see that size gets so much uh, attention. Um, what criteria does a bitch need to uh, meet for yourself to breed from them? Uh, they got to be a full work dog before I breed from them. So they got to fully prove themselves. I, I won't breed from anything that's hasn't proved itself at work. Um, yeah, they've got to definitely do the hard yards first before I even touch breeding them. Um, yeah, there's no point breeding from something. If you don't know what their capabilities are in my eyes, they've got to be able to go out there and do a job first. And it's the same with the dogs. So I wouldn't go breeding from a dog either that hasn't done the yards. So they, oh, yeah, they got to, they got to do it. They, otherwise you just don't know what you're breeding from. So yeah. Um, yeah, 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 people go sometimes on just genetics, but I like to see them actually in in a work scenario and seeing what they've actually got so you can sort of see what, what you're going to have pup-wise or who you're going to make them to or, yeah, put some of their, yeah, lacks or, yeah, advantages in and um, try and pair something up. Yep. And are there any particular traits or stuff you'd like to put into your line moving forward? Um, I just like to keep. I like to keep the outside work. I don't. I, I really like that outside work and that nice presence, the arc, the cast. Um, but then at the same time, I still want to keep that 
that good push in the yards. I, I don't want these dogs that are just too paddocky and don't want to come into the yard. So I still want that that punch in the yard. So it's getting that happy medium between everything. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sort of getting that way. Where yeah, I'm pretty happy with everything that's producing at the moment. So yeah, it's sort of um, yeah, it's going my way. But yeah, definitely I chase that outside stuff. That outside stuff is probably number one to me. Yeah. And knowing just how hard those comments that you use can be to move around a bit, do you do you look for a clean dog or do you mind a little bit of dirt? I don't mind a little bit of dirt, but they can't be causing trouble dirty. Um, just doing it for the sake of just, oh, I'm going to have fun here and just do it for no reason. Um, yeah, you, sometimes a bit of dirt does, does get you out of scenarios and stuff, um, so hence I don't mind it. But... At the end of the day, it's got to be somewhat clean. It can't be just purely just grabbing hind legs or shoulders or anything. I don't chase anything like that. I don't like dogs that do that. Um, I Yeah, I quite like the old nose bite and the old top knot and stuff like that. But, yeah, nothing nothing dirty, dirty. No, I don't chase that. But, yeah, um, but yeah just, yeah, don't mind getting in there and just, yeah, saying something, yeah, get moving now. I've had enough of you. Yeah, that's, that's fine by me. <laughs> And how do you go about picking a pup for yourself? Um, so just just personality. I yeah, I just go on their personalities and something that just draws my eye to one of them. Um, there'll always be a pup in there that just draws your eye. You like how they act. You like how they present themselves. Um, and I just draw myself to them, and that's how I pick mine. I don't pick them based on. Um, yeah, what they look like as such. Oh, obviously, I like a nice-looking type, but um, at the end of the day, you got to pick what what's going to suit your personality. And yeah, I, I like to pick the ones that are going to suit me. All right, Kellen. What advice would you give to someone wanting to purchase their first dog or a pup? Um, definitely go to a to someone that sort of has a similar working scenario to yourself or something like that. Um, so obviously if you're doing a lot of cattle work or something, maybe go down the cattle cattle dog lines or something like that, someone that's working a lot of cattle. Um, yeah, that would probably be the biggest advice. Don't go to someone that's, yeah, that's sort of breeding that more paddocky type if you want the more yardy type or something like that. Just chase whatever you're chasing. Um, do your background research and talk to people and, um yeah, go and have a look at the dogs. That's the biggest thing. Go and have a look at them and see if that's what you like and what you desire. Yep. Um, question here from James Gibson. He's asked, are your dogs more suited to your work slash home terrain or do you find you've got dogs that will travel better in different environments and do you allow for this in breeding? Oh, look, they got to, the way I look at it, they got to suit me, number one. At the, mm -hmm. uh, that's that's first and foremost. Um, I don't think you can go forward in yourself if you're not breeding for yourself. Um, but in saying that, though, yeah, they still, like I, I work hills, I work flats, I work creeks, yeah, everything. So they got to be able to do it. So um, I'm not selecting dogs that are just purely for one thing and one thing only. They've got to be able to try and do it all. Um so yeah, look, if you're on the flat country, yeah, like at the end of the day, they're, they're gonna they're gonna cast and everything like that. So that's yeah, I, I yeah, still chasing all that sort of thing. So it's all it all applies, um, whether we're working hilly country or flat country, it all comes into the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Rick just asked here, 
about mining a bit of dirt in your dogs. He said, can you train dirty bite out? I don't think so, no. Yeah. Once they've got it, they've gotten it. Um, yeah, no, you can't train. You can't, you can, you can, you can put a handle on it. Um, most definitely, I think you can put a handle on it, but it always comes out. You can't, you can never get a dog completely out of it. It always come out. Some scenario or another, you'll see it, it'll come out for sure. You, you, you'd never get rid of it. It's just what they are and that's just their personality, their trait. Yeah, it, it's it's what they are. Yeah. Totally agree with that. I've got a couple back there in the back of my ute just, uh, just like that. But I don't mind it. Like, you know, I'm not doing the miles you guys are, but um, when I do get an opportunity, uh, those type of dogs I find go that extra mile for you when when you need it, rather than oh it's okay it's five o'clock somewhere let's find a pub right there. Yeah. If there's still work to do, they're they're willing to go that little bit extra. Yeah, those type of dogs. Yeah, and you generally find that those type of dogs they have that they just want to keep going and um, yeah those those yeah those ones that are just real clean and just poke around and stuff they I just don't find they've got that that extra gear in them really and I like that extra gear. Actually, talking about putting a handle on it, a couple of ways to approach that. I, I just try and myself keep my dog off a bit um, and guide it around, knowing that it always wants to come forward. What's your approach? I just try and do, yeah, just try and, I suppose, block the scenario really from happening or keep their mind active. Um, yeah, generally, if you've got a problem there, I try and just keep their mind active on something different. So just always just, yeah, just, I don't allow that scenario to sort of happen. Like if it's something that's in a young dog that they're more inclined, if they're if they're going to pick out, say, one sheep or something like that and be real sticky towards one, I just keep them moving. Um, you try not to encourage that scenario pretty well. You're just trying to block it out and try and um, decrease it as much as you can and try and limit it from happening. Yeah. I went another way and it drive you nuts. And I actually, I had some advice and was, Get that dog to do something else with its mouth, so I get it barking more. But that yeah, drove me yeah. absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, yeah, the ones that aren't quite free backing. Geez, yeah, that's that's hard work. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I'll uh, go with keeping it moving next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we mentioned trialing a few times there. Uh, how long have you been trialing now? Oh, ever since I got Tilly, so it'd probably be a good 10 years, probably around that 10 year mark, somewhere around there. I don't know. I don't keep track. I don't get track of most <laughs> things these days. It just um, one year folds over into another. But yeah, it'd be about that 10 year mark, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just been yeah, poking around a few trials. Why do you, why do you trial? Just gets me away. Um, talking to people with similar interests and seeing other dogs out there and watching how other people do things and yeah you're just constantly learning it's it's more of a learning thing for me really and just getting me off the farm um yeah you get away you talk to people and yeah just similar interests and yeah just get you away pretty much yeah you learn to have great mates like us right? yeah that's it just to annoy <laughs> um well i knew it before yeah, well, yeah. um <laughs> What type of trials for people out there that don't really know you that great? What type of trialing do, do you do or or prefer? Uh, look, I just mainly stick to yard dog trialing. 
in all honesty, I, I lead a pretty busy life, so trying to get around to doing utilities and everything. Like, don't get me wrong, I've done Finley Utility and I really enjoyed that, did really well at that too. Um, but, yeah, just sort of I just stick to the yards. I just find it easy and um, the time, limits of time I've got to get away on the weekends and stuff, it just sort of suits me well and, um, yeah, just get away and just do that mainly. Yeah. And question here from Rick. He's asked, do you think trials are a proper reflection of what you and your dogs are required to do at work? Uh, no, I think it's, um, yeah, no, you see some glimpses, but I think the trialling, yeah, a lot of dogs are held back from actually doing what they could be doing at work um, personally. I think, yeah, a lot of trials are getting a bit too... Um, yeah, they just help you. People are too worried about points instead of just taking a risk and just punching them through the yards and doing what you what you'd normally do at work. Mm. Um, yeah, it's sort of it is it's it's different. You do see glimpses, um, but yeah, it's it's I find it's very different to trialing is very different to what you do at home. What um what would you like? Is there anything you'd like to see there? Talking about things being, um, I'm assuming you're talking about flowing or stock flow. Yeah. Any changes you'd like to see or any suggestions? Yeah, I just like to see people in the ring just literally just have a crack. Like people are too worried about points and stuff and sheep breaking. Like just get them in there. Like people will sit at a gateway sometimes for ages just trying to lose a point for any breaks and stuff. Well, to me, I haven't got time to stand at a gateway all day to wait. I want things happening and get them in there. So, um, yeah, things like that do annoy me a little bit, but, yeah, I suppose it's the trialling world these days and, um, yeah, it's all about the points, I suppose. So I suppose, yeah, the cleaner the better. But, um, yeah, just, just things like that. I think the flow in, in movement in trials could be a little bit slow sometimes. Yeah. So would you aim for more of an offensive approach to trials rather than a defensive approach yourself? Uh, as in what do you mean by that? Like when you look at a trial, you go, all right, cool, I'm going to, get in, I'm going to have a go here, I'm going to keep the flow going, I'm going to go rather than go, oh, where can I be safe? No, look, I just I just go for it. At the end of the day, what do you got to lose? Like, if you play it safe, things go wrong. It just, um, mm. yeah, get in there and just just do it. And look, at the end of the day, things will go wrong. You, you're playing with your own mind, you're playing with the sheep's mind and you're playing with the dog's mind. Um, you play it safe and, yeah, things go wrong and, you just play each scenario as it comes, I reckon. Like, just send it full noise full the whole way. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. And um, what makes a good trial? I like something that sort of tests dogs' ability. Um, so I always find I like the driving because I find that lacks in a lot of trial dogs, a lot of trial dogs from what I've seen around the trial ring. A lot of dogs can't effectively drive smoothly. Um, they can drive, but I find the smooth the smooth part of it is, yeah, there's not many dogs out there that you sort of see that do it really smoothly. Um, yeah, I like to see some, yeah, some off-balance work is what you call it really, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I think people need to start bringing that more into it because that's what literally at work at home it is. Uh, yeah, I have dogs crossing me left, right and centre. The only time a dog doesn't cross me is in a trial ring. And, yeah, yeah it's... Um, yeah, I think sort of you sort of need to make it a bit more um, work scenario in that regard and allow that. Obviously, in scenarios uh, across that's not needed, it isn't needed, but 
at the end of the day, I think it's a lot more effective and, yeah, you're losing, yes, less energy in a dog and, yeah, I think it's more effective just crossing and whatnot and bits and pieces. So You just, uh, would James um, Gibson. Gibson just ask that question and you just answered it <laughs> um, as it come through there. Um, any suggestions on like on some different obstacles for that? Or, or different dogs in there, he's saying. Yeah, he said, or multiple dogs, different obstacles. Oh, look, yeah, like shut things in there. Like, yeah, just just put different, I don't know. Like there's so many different obstacles. Like even yeah, like when you're at work and stuff and I don't know, there's, there's all sorts of stuff. But, um, yeah, like um, there are things to shove in there. Just Just different, like. Don't just go your normal racing, your normal draft. Like shove it so it's different scenarios. Like you've got bends or something that sheep have to go around, or um, yeah, there's corners that aren't smooth or something like that where dogs actually have to use fence lines or something or corners or um, yeah, nothing. Nothing's perfect in the real world. So yeah, I think trial arenas can be some somewhat a little bit too perfect. Yep. I'd like to see more crossing, like you mentioned before, more driving, more crossing, calling the dog across yourself. Rather yeah. yeah, and set things up. Like I know myself, like nothing comes really in a straight line. I work two terrain. So, um, yeah, use use the obstacles, use creek stuff. So, yeah, like nothing to me is ever straight. So, yeah, just, um, yeah, make it, make it handle on their dogs and be able to direct their dogs and stuff like that, yeah. Rick mentioned here, it's interesting you mentioned driving. Is that the last thing you train? Um, no, it's actually probably one of the first things my young dogs actually learn is to drive. Um, yeah, especially on the job, I've just chucked a young dog down and they're driving. They, that's one of their first things that they learn. Um, that's a big part of my work and they got to be able to do it well. Um, yeah, it's very, very rarely it's it's – they're yeah, quite hilly, the country we are in here. I don't really cast dogs and just say go and muster a 60-hectare paddock. It just doesn't work for me at the end of the day. you you got different crevices and stuff like that, so driving's a massive part. Um, yeah, generally they work from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock for me, and, yeah, it's they've got to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've been a witness to a lot of that as well, and it's just a matter of, throwing a dog out and uh, turning the radio up a lot of the time. And, uh, <laughs> go, sort it, go sort it out, pup. Um, I'm listening to this song. It's my favourite. So, oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I wind up the windows and, yeah, listen to music or whatever. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I really enjoyed the time I've had to spend out there with you. Um, and talking about trialling, um, have you got a trial, a favourite trial to participate in or, or is there one out there that you'd like to? Um. Look, I actually really enjoyed Delungra there this year. I, for the first time, I actually went up there, and I must say that was a really good trial, really good course. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one, but that was obviously a bigger one. But um, as a as a little poke around course, I've always had a yeah, very favourable um, Tarana. I always like the atmosphere yeah. there and stuff. Yeah, I've always what been there. Do a pump. Yeah, yeah, no, it's always a good little trial. So I haven't been there for a good few years, and I went again there this year, and yeah, thoroughly enjoyed sort of a trial that I've always, yeah, since when I very first started trialing, I always went to, and I still really to like enjoy it till this day. Little Ellie's first trial. Yeah, little Ellie's first trial, two weeks old, good little girl. 
Um, what do you feel is your best trialing achievement so far or just a special moment? Uh, probably the biggest one would be uh, winning the New South Wales um, with Roy back in 2020. Um, yeah, that sort of, yeah, I just, I went to that ring, just had that, literally had the attitude of I've got nothing to lose here, I've made it this far and, um, yeah, that, that itself getting into the top 25 was an achievement in itself and then I made the top 10 and I was like, oh, I've got nothing to lose now. I've, uh, to get in the top 25, I was happy with that. So, um, yeah, I just went for it and, yeah, he came home with the win and just made me so proud really. Like, yeah, the big fella, yeah, he'd he done well and just worked with me the whole way and, um, yeah, that's all you ask for really is for them to work with you and do you proud and that's exactly what he did. And what about nerves? Uh, they sort of got thrown out the door that day because I was just so proud that I got into the top 25. So they sort of just got thrown out and they just, yeah, I didn't really have any. I always just get more nervous horse riding than when I used to dog trial. I don't get really nervous dog trialling. I just go out there and have a bit of fun and just want no. the dogs to do what, like, do well and just listen. That's all I ever ask for them. So, um, yeah, I don't really get nervous with the dogs. I'm surprised. Normally, yeah, <laughs> horses and stuff, are, yeah, ugh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and we always hear the old debates, trial dogs don't, um, trial dogs don't make real work dogs. What's your take? Mm. Yeah, look, I don't know, like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I find that they just, um, yeah, the trial dogs, like, they're good. But, yeah, they just haven't had that experience, I suppose, out in the field. Um, so those long days and stuff do knock them about. And, um, yeah, I just find that probably slows them up a little bit. Yeah, getting getting them out in the field nice and young, they sort of learn those hard days and how to pace themselves. But I find the trial dogs, they don't quite pace themselves as well. Um, and, yeah, it sort of knocks them up a little bit too hard, too quick and, um yeah, they probably lose that stamina a little bit. That's, yeah, that's about really what I find with them. But, yeah, nothing to say that they don't make good work dogs, that's for sure. Yeah. No, that, that's right. Um, moving on uh, from trolling there now, um, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to pursue a career in the livestock industry? Oh, just go for it. Yeah, just go for it. Talk to people. Um, yeah, what would be the best way to get a start? Like if you were a blank canvas and you were just finishing school, how would you go about it now? Oh, look, like even just go to local trials and stuff like talk to people. Um, look, that's how I started off, talk to people, yeah, work out what's what and, um, yeah, let people know that you're looking for stuff or, um, yeah, get work experience even, offer to go and help them or, whatever um yeah get your foot in the door because that's the biggest thing and as i said it's not what you know it's who you know at the end of the day so um that's the biggest thing and yeah if you're a good worker you'll get you'll get scooped up pretty bloody quick so yeah yeah get get off to the agara show em says <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> and is there anyone you'd like to see us sit down and have a chat with on dog talk um, yeah, there is actually old Frankie Graham. Yep, he's a he's a good old fella, and I've had a good few yarns with him about dogs and stuff. And um, yeah, he's a quite a knowledgeable old fella, and yeah, he um, gets around the trial ring, the old sneaky old fella, and yeah, he 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 does very well. So 
It just looks robotic too. Always good for yeah. a giant. Yeah, I think I think he would have a few tricks up his sleeve and bits and pieces. And yeah, I always have I always find I always have a good yarn to him. I caught up with him in Young there a little while ago, and um, yeah, he's always such a nice fellow. He is that he is. Well, it's that time of the night. Um, was there a question that stood out tonight? And the winner will win a bag of enduro. Um, what the dog food? High energy food for with real kangaroo mate. Oh, geez. Now I've got to think back now. This gets the old brain racking. Um, Not that young, darling. It's still, it's still fairly young, fairly young between those ears. It's not that what's old. that, I said, go easy on yourself. You're not that old. <laughs> oh, yeah, but still a bit of baby brain, though, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit that one. Um, yeah, probably about the duck one, actually, like in the sense of actually, yeah, just getting dogs around the ducks and stuff and bits and pieces, um, how to shape them up and stuff on sides and bits and pieces, yeah. Beautiful. Rick Freeman, uh, congratulations, mate. Bag of Enduro coming your way. If you want to um, just reach out um, and just through, throw your details on a message, uh, we'll uh, get that sorted for you. Also, Em, um, thank you for being on tonight. There's also a Bag of Enduro coming your way. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, we'd like to thank all of our members for tuning in and M for your time. It's been a great chat. Um, before you go, one more question. Um, if you had to choose between fighting 20 horses the size of ducks or one duck the size of a horse, which one would you take on and why? I'd go to 20 ducks because I think it's more of a challenge. Yeah, and she, all the dogs are trained, right? Yeah. So they'd be like, give us more ducks. They'd be like, give us 40. <laughs> 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 but like Laura said, and um, thanks heaps for your time tonight. I uh, really appreciate it. I know that you normally like to um, stick to yourself and you're not big on getting into the crowd. So this was uh, a real uh, pleasure to have a chat to you tonight and uh, get on the big stage. So thank you very much. No, thank you guys for having me, and yeah, it's been a great night. Thank you. Cheers, and uh, all our viewers and listeners out there, thanks for getting on. And please remember, we learn every day, and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>